What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? 24th podcast back literally earliest of early days. Earliest of early times. I'm like recording this in the morning and not at night. I mean like two seconds. I got to switch some stuff up. I literally don't know why I just did. Absolute full effect. You gotta love it. Gotta fucking love it. So excited to get back into watching some Formula Once, watching some racing. It's been a minute. Got a lot of things to talk about on today's podcast. Kind of like primarily being the sale of the Washington Commanders because that's like just a huge piece of news that dropped yesterday on Thursday, as well as the fallout of that, as well as the Buffalo Bills and their prospects. Really, next week will be the first week in which teams will report to training camp. I think, when is it? When is the first? When is the first? When's the first, like, day that people will report to, uh, to camp? Or not report to camp the first preseason game. When is that? It's like in early August, right? Yeah, like August 3rd, so that's in like two weeks. <clears throat> it's in two fucking weeks, baby! Two fucking weeks! Jets versus Browns. Why? Hard Knocks is also going to be on as well as... What else is going to be happening over the next couple of weeks? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm tired. I've been up since like three o'clock in the morning. I just, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I got in super late last night from work and I I was like, I need to eat something. I need to eat something before I record the podcast. And then I was like, all right, I'll eat something. I'll get something to eat. And it was this like gigantic bowl of chicken, steak, and fried rice. And I ate all that up. And <laughs> shockingly enough, I'm uh I'm full or I I passed out. And I was like, let me watch some of the office. I wanna watch some of the office. And I watched I think one or two episodes, I forgot. It was the episode where Michael goes to therapy with Toby and Pam is trying to become the office manager and I just I completely fell asleep. I apologize. But I was exhausted. I was I was really tired. But I'm back. I'm back today. I'm watching free practice one for Formula One. And I haven't really talked about Formula One this week because again, it didn't happen last week and today was kind of the day where something happened. And Sergio Perez, we'll just start off the podcast with this, with Sergio Perez, the other Red Bull racing driver, or race car driver, who I thought would be an interesting, would have an interesting kind of year this year in the sense of he has the he has like the only car that can challenge Max Verstappen, so maybe he could challenge Max Verstappen. And boy, was I wrong on that. I mean, the logic is there. The logic is sound in the sense of he has the only, 
the Red Bull is the best race car by far and away on the track at all times. And being the only other driver in that car, he would be able to potentially challenge Max Verstappen. And he had put in some really, really awesome racing performances in the first like four, maybe five, maybe six races of the year. And then now it's just he's completely starting to unravel and he's falling apart. I mean, in this free practice session, if you don't know how Formula One works, there's three practice sessions that are called, I think, free practice sessions. I don't know why. Again, this is only my second year watching Formula One. Yeah, it's called free practice, right? Yep. So there's three free practice sessions. And in the first one, so this is the first time that the racing cars with the drivers inside of them running around the track, this is the first time that they are on the track. Four minutes into free practice session one, Sergio Perez sends it right into the fucking barriers, okay? First fucking practice. He has been on kind of a media hot seat. Red Bull has kind of optically said and done the proper things they've put. What's his name? Christian Horner has said that he has put a metaphorical and literal arm around Sergio Perez. And, um, yeah, it just, it, regardless, it just hasn't looked like it's gone well for Red Bull and specifically for their Mexican driver. Cause see, he just sent it into the barrier four minutes into free practice one. And so Sergio Perez is kind of on this interesting, he's, he's at this interesting precipice where Daniel Ricardo, the former Red Bull driver that is essentially that used to be in Sergio Perez's actual racing seat, is here this weekend racing for the Red Bull expansion team Alpha Tauri. And apparently Daniel's performance. These these are two different cars. These like Red Bull does weird things with their cars. The Alpha Tauri is kind of like their junior program in Formula One and the Red Bull car the actual red bull car is the actual car that they use for competition and racing and it's the be- it's the better car they have red bull has two cars the alpha tauri and the red bull the red bull car is the best car and so daniel at silverstone 2 weeks ago had i guess uh, simulation tests in that car or i guess he had what is it like uh, test driving sessions or whatever? I don't know what what they were, but he had some session in the actual Red Bull, and essentially his sessions, his times that he that he made in those sessions would have given him would have outqualified Sergio Perez, the driver for Red Bull that had just sent it into the wall today. And so the kind of the rumor is because Red Bull is very aggressive with their drivers, Red Bull. It's not been rumored, but it's been speculated that if Sergio Perez doesn't start putting in actual time and put in really, really good numbers and start producing as a Red Bull driver, the speculation, not rumors, this isn't coming from anywhere, but this is just based off of the history of the racing team. The speculation is, is that Red Bull will just cut the cord on Sergio Perez and replace Sergio Perez with Daniel Ricciardo 
in the Red Bull, or in Yuki Tsunoda's case, Yuki Tsunoda has even said it's a race to Red Bull in the sense of like trying to outqualify Daniel Ricardo and trying to make his times better. Regardless, it is a absolutely fascinating race weekend and literally the first four minutes of free practice. I usually don't even watch free practice, to be honest with you, kind of because I just don't have the time. But I usually watch free practice three, maybe. And I, I, I've, I've watched qualifying every single race weekend. Qualifying is so much fun. And obviously, I've seen every single race. I can't recall. I don't have great recall. But I have watched every single race. And literally, Sergio Perez could just... I mean, he, he's literally on the hot seat. He just crashed his car today. So that's not good. They've been pissed with him silently, but they've Red Bull's been doing a very, very good job at being pissed off at Sergio Perez without showing that they're pissed off at Sergio Perez. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens long term. Anyways. An interesting kind of break in the... And the Washington Commanders kind of defunctional situation is kind of a, a rose arisen. I don't really know how you say it. And that is that Washington, and I didn't really pay attention to it at all today because I kind of didn't care. But Washington just got sold to from Dan Snyder, one of the worst owners in sports history, to... Josh Harris, I have no idea who that is. Let me Google Josh Harris really fast. Who is Josh Harris? Josh. Harris, he's, Google just gave me a little bit. He's an American investor. I'm going to look at a, his Wikipedia page. He's like, that doesn't make any sense. Forbes just listed his net worth at $6.7 this year. Which just doesn't make any sense because he bought the Commanders for like $6 billion. So, Josh Harris. Josh Harris's net worth is not $6.7. I'm going to go on a Forbes. That just... That doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> Let me look at it. They have like... Oh my god. Dude... I hate these people so much. <laughs> they have like, they have, uh, Forbes has a billionaire list and they have it in alphabetical order and they have like, dude, I couldn't give a shit about billionaires at all. H I J K. So I'm at the case. I got to go back one page. I couldn't give a shit about billionaires, dude. Let me, let me fucking tell you something right now. The fact that I have to look at a full, and I, ironically enough, because I'm on the Jays, Jerry Jones is there with like 13 billion, which his value may go up, to be honest with you. But God, man, I just, I even saw Jimmy Haslam as well. God, man. One of the least interesting things on the planet. How rich you are. Oh my God. All right. Let me find Josh Harris. Josh Harris. What is, what, how much money? He's in private equity. His source is private equity. What's his industry? I, I also, I also, did I just see Joe Rogan? 
or no, Joe Rogers. It's like Joe Rogan is not a billionaire. Again, this is like the this is the dumbest thing ever. Hold on. Finance and investments. He according to Forbes, his value, his net worth valued from 2019 to 2020, where he was able to between 2019 and 2020, he was able to accure like half a billion dollars in, I guess, revenue or value or whatever you want to call it. And since then, he's just like a lot of billionaires. His net worth has just skyrocketed where in 2019, he was valued at like 3.5 billion. And then 2023, it was 5.8 billion. But then it's probably increased even this year as well. And Josh Harris co-founded alternative investment firm Apollo Global Management in 1990 with fellow billionaires Leon Black and Mark Rowan. That's like a little, that's how I guess he made his money. Let me like figure out who he is really, really fast. Sorry about that. My computer just like got mega hung really, really fast. Let me look up his Wikipedia page really, really fast. Private equity investor, philanthropist. A philanthropist. It's a hard word to say, but it's somebody who essentially gives to charity. Earned a degree in economics from Wharton. Started working for the former investment bank Drexel. Da, 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 before leaving to earn an MBA from Harvard Business School. Co-founded the private equity company Apollo Global Management, where he oversaw its daily operations until leaving in 2022 to focus on sports management. That's interesting. His net worth was estimated to be 6.5 to 8.4 billion. There you go. That's the money. I'm like, there's no way he would literally because he bought the commanders yesterday for 6.05 billion. I think I'm like, there's no way that you would just throw in all of your money to buy the commanders and not have like a little bit of money left over uh, just just for yourself. It's like, bro, you don't have. You, you're not going to buy something that's worth $6 billion if you only have $500 million left. That's bad business, even if the actual investment is supposed to, like, compound significantly in value over, uh, over a certain amount of time. So, Josh Harris buys it. I haven't really seen any interviews, and I don't really want to see any interviews because, let's just be honest... Some of the, I'll be honest, I've seen a lot of interviews. I've seen hundreds of interviews from hundreds of different people. I saw the new, uh, while I was just kind of like up and about, I had to take the trash out this morning because it's trash day. I was watching ESPN's new radio show. It's just called ESPN Radio with Amber. I think her name is Wilson. Oh, 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 here comes Sergio Perez's car. Yep. They're bringing in Sergio Perez's car because Sergio Perez, like, finally, again, like, Sergio Perez just fully sent it into the fucking wall. But, um, anyways, back, uh, back to what I was talking about, right? I'm watching ESPN's morning radio show. I'm watching, oh, 
they're closing off his garage, Sergio Perez's garage. They're like, they're putting up the borders. They're putting up, they're doing something to the car. Are they going to get it ready for free practice session two? That's interesting. Anyways, I was watching, uh, what was it? Like fucking ESPN radio this morning because I was just like, I was wanting to watch Formula One and Formula One is on ESPN two. So I literally just had to watch ESPN two until Formula One came on. And I was watching, I was watching that TV show with like Amber Wilson and somebody else. And it was just, it was so weird. And it was so like, like, I was just like, why, why is this on right now? I'm like, who are these people? Who are they? And then I realized I was like, oh, they're replacing Max Kellerman and Keyshawn and Jay will because their show got canceled. And it's just like, they, they kind of had to fill in the slot. So they were like, Hey, you two. Computer just got mega hung. Sorry about that. Again, I don't know what's going on. But they were like, hey, you two, I'm on down. We need bodies. We need people to fill this. So we need people to fill this slot. Excuse me. So I don't even know what I was talking about. I was talking about Washington and Josh Harris. But I I was leading in with the whole press conferences are bad and I, I don't even know what point I'm making I'm a little bit tired because again I've been up since like four o'clock in the morning because I've my crippling insomnia so Josh Harris buys the commanders he gets the commanders the commanders are now owned by Josh Harris I just said the exact same thing three times what does this mean for the commanders I don't really know I haven't seen him really talk about it I saw a couple of, I saw two questions from the press, I guess, with a press interview. I want a more, I want him to be interviewed with Ron Rivera to his right and the GM to his fucking left. That's what I fucking want. I want a little bit of stress because I think Ron Rivera and the GM are on the hot seat. I think they could be potentially done after this season. But I, I, I don't know. I think so because I don't think they're very good at their jobs. And I think Josh Harris will want to hire his people, but that's yet to be seen as of yet, as of late. But Ron, but Josh Harris, though, and the commanders have a very, very unique situation that they're in. Uh, he kind of got a bad, I mean, he got inherited a bad football team. Okay, I'll, I'll just be the one to say it. There's a lot of great components to it. There's Terry McLaurin. There's... Uh, Jahan Dotson, there's Deami Brown. You have Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, who are good defensive tackles. I wouldn't say great, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Your offensive line is just uncompetitive, especially against everyone else in your division. You're in the hardest division, and you're easily one of the least competitive teams in the NFL. And so if you're the commanders, you need to figure out quarterback. If I'm Josh Harris, if I'm a lot of owners this year, I've talked about it with the Raiders. I've talked about it with who else have I talked about it with? Practically every team in the NFC South, Tampa. Oh, Carlos Sainz is off. He's off. 
Carlos Sanchez fucked it into the wall. Red flag. Free practice session one. Another super, another just top three, top four car just fucked it into the wall. Not even on a turn, just on a main straight. Just pissed it into the wall. Holy crap. I can't believe it. Sorry. Going back to... <laughs> There's a girl in the Ferrari paddock. There's a girl in the Ferrari garage. She's looking around dazed and confused. That's essentially me right now. How did Carlos Sainz end up into the wall? Jesus Christ. Hold on. I'm getting a report. Sainz is like, yeah, I'm suck. It's just like, no shit, Sherlock. Your wheels are spinning. You can't get out of the mud. That happened to me. In the country. They're going to try and push him out. Yeah, he's not getting out of his car. What happened? They're showing. He probably just lost it. To lose it on a straight, though, where did he lose it? Yep, he just lost it after the exit of, uh, of the turn. Looks like he had a puddle, and he just, he just, I mean, he grazed the wall. It was a lot more dramatic. He just hit a wet spot, I'm guessing. Hydroplane, lost all traction, boom. Hit the Pirelli barrier, got awful tire, get him out. And then Carlos tried to just send it back. He just tried to get it out, and um, he's still stuck. Wow, he is really stuck. All the marshals are coming over to try and push him out. And now he's back out onto the track. Now he's good. Okay. Yep. It's a little bit rainy down there in, uh, at, at the Hungarian Grand Prix. God, man. This practice session is a little bit of a nightmare. I'm going to go see Oppenheimer in the next couple of hours. I got like two hours to get ready to go see Oppenheimer. I'm hoping to take a nap because I'm exhausted. But we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. I'm getting a little bit juiced up. I apologize. Maybe not. Josh Harris, new owner of the Commanders. I don't really know anything about him. I don't really know what his capacity is. I don't know what his philosophy is. My guess is, hey, uh, he probably wants to figure out the quarterback situ situation immediately. Let's take a look at the Commanders. Let's take a look. Let's just see what they're going to do. By the way, if you want my honest opinion about it, about the Washington Commanders and what exactly they should do, I think personally they should probably get rid of the name. Rich Eisen said it, so. I, if I was him, I would take my two-point-something billion dollars that I have left potentially, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, and I would figure out how I can change the name again from Commanders to Red Wolves. Because Commanders fucking sucks as a team name. Hey, it sucked. I was like, when I heard of it, I was like, I, I'm not surprised at how bad it is. Their dumbass mascot, the fat pig, Major Tutty, is god fucking awful. And then to make matters worse... They've tried to attach Major Tutty to one of the offensive lines. What is it? Like the pigs of the 80s or whatever? I don't remember what it's called, but it's dumb. They literally have a commander. Not a commander, but like a, but like a colonel dressed up or a pig that's dressed up as a colonel waddling around the stadium. You know, and it's just like that's their mascot. I'm not a mascot guy. I'm not a mascot person. Let me tell you something, right? If I was a fan of the Commanders, I would be even more embarrassed with this god-awful abomination of a mascot. 
fix it, get rid of it, so that way there can be some pride in the commanders. Get rid of the commander's name. But here's the thing. The commanders, they go up against week one, Arizona. That's probably a win because Arizona doesn't have Kyler Murray. Week two, week three, week four. Broncos, Bills, Eagles, Bears, that's probably three losses. Then they got Atlanta, Giants, Eagles, Patriots. Again, probably two losses, maybe three there. Seattle, Giants again. Cowboys, Dolphins, again, two to three losses there. Rams, Jets, Niners, Cowboys to end the season in Washington, very similarly to how they ended it last season. And again, we're probably talking about two to three losses, maybe four there in the final four weeks of the regular season. All in all, they'll probably win seven, maybe eight games this year. And they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack of football team, potentially. That's not good enough to get Caleb Williams. If I'm Josh Harris, and if I'm competing with the Raiders, with every single team outside of Carolina in the NFC South for Caleb Williams, if I'm competing with... Who else wants and needs a quarterback in the NFL? Anyone in the AFC South? Maybe the Tennessee Titans. Maybe they'll go out and get, maybe they'll suck this year to the point in which they'll want to get Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams to me is the, is the crown jewel in this year's draft. Maybe they'll suck. Maybe the Titans will suck as much. I don't think so, though. Colts just got Anthony Richardson. Houston just got C.J. Stroud. But you're in the running. Washington, potentially, for Caleb Williams. Potentially. There's enough teams in the NFL that are like, we're fine or we want to see what our quarterback, what our young quarterback has. So you're not going to have to compete with as many football teams that really want and need a quarterback. Potentially. But we'll see what happens. But you got to figure this out now. And if you're Josh Harris, you kind of have to take control of the team right now. And you have to tell your GM what to do and how to do it and things of that nature. But does he actually know how to run a football team? I don't know. I'm going to look at one of his interviews today or tomorrow. I don't know when he's going to actually have an interview, like an actual proper interview with some of the local media. I don't know when he's going to have a proper interview. I don't, I don't know. But we'll see what happens with Josh Harris. I don't really have that many hot takes on it besides like wow I can't believe that the Washington commanders are selling their team not because I didn't think that they would do it but because I completely forgot about it because I didn't really you know uh chart it down to something that I really needed to remember I was like I'll uh, I'll remember it when I need to remember it anyways On to something that's very beautiful, very great, and I hope this brings a lot of peace to all of the women that were subjected to Dan Snyder's sexual harassment, toxic relation, not relation, but workplace area or workplace setting, completely unprofessional. And you know what? I'll throw in his god-awful wife as well, who is kind of a shield, uh, for him to to essentially use to still run and own the team. So, I have been on this train for three, four, maybe five years. Not just because I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, but 
because I'm a human being. I have been very concerned with the Washington football team and the allegations that have kind of come out pretty consistently. I'm going to divide these two allegations into two categories. One is kind of sexual harassment, sexual misconduct. The other allegations have been financial allegations in which the commanders have not necessarily reported accurately on some of their books to the point where they had two books. One book, books being the bookkeeping, the fi- the uh, accounting of the Washington football team. I-, I still don't even refer to them by the commanders, by the way. So one book would be, hey, we're going to show this to the NFL the other and it's going to have obvi- obviously fraudulent numbers. The other book would be, hey, uh, this is our real book, and these are all of the financial discrepancies that we have, and that are like these. These are essentially like I think ticket prices, or not even ticket prices, but like ticket sales, merchandise sales that will pocket from the NFL that will keep from the NFL. Hold on, give me like two seconds. Sorry about that. But these are ticket prices that we're going to keep from the NFL so that way we can pocket them for ourselves because the NFL is a shared revenue company. So everybody essentially makes all of their money, ticket sales, merchandise sales, et cetera, et cetera. They put it into a pool of money and then they divvy that money up 32 times. The commanders, they got greedy and they were like, we'll have two different books, allegedly. By the way, I have to say that because it's not proven in a court of law just yet. However, there is some interest with the commanders and their books, as well as their sexual misconduct and sexual harassment allegations as well. And that and the developments come specifically from the NFL. So the NFL conducted its own investigation. And. It released a memo today that I think, or technically yesterday, that I think is very, very interesting. The memo states, well, first and foremost, the headline of the memo is, Findings and Outcome of Commander's Investigation Announced. Allegations Substantiated by Independent Investigator Mary Jo White. The findings of the investigation were never announced. They were always kept under wraps. They were never told to the public. They weren't even told to the alleged victims in in this case, by the way, the NFL investigated its own team and everybody was like, oh, this is a fraud. This is a sham. This isn't a real investigation. No, apparently it was a real investigation. And uh, here's a little bit of it. I'm not going to go into Mary Jo White's credentials because I don't really care about her credentials. You could have had a fucking donkey interviewing some of these uh, some of these, uh, uh, not even interviewing, but conducting this investigation, and the donkey would have found misconduct because Dan Snyder is about as coordinated and as and as organized as two dogs w- running around on roller skates. The memo goes on to say, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell appointed Miss White, Mary Jo White, as the independent investigator immediately following allegations against Commander's owner Daniel Snyder made by former 
Commander's employee Tiffany Johnston at a congressional roundtable in February in 2022. Pause. Now, I don't really know when Miss Tiffany Johnston came out, but there's been a lot of people that have come out, and I would have thought that the NFL maybe should have investigated so many other allegations that have come out in regards to this. But hey, you know, better late than never. I'm a bit shocked that they just started investigating this a year ago. By the way, I'm like, wait, you guys just got on this shit? Like a year ago? I'm like, I... All right. I can't believe this. Continuing forward. The commissioner expanded Ms. White's review in April 2022 to include alleged financial misconduct at the club after those allegations were first raised before congressional committee. This is like when the when Congress was about to, I think, subpoena the commanders and was like, hey, uh, you guys are missing some money. What's going on there? Continuing forward, Ms. White and her colleagues conducted a comprehensive and independent investigation over 17 months that included interviews with dozens of witnesses, sometimes on multiple occasions, a review of over 10,000 documents and assistance from a team of forensic accountants. The quote is, we appreciate the diligence, thoroughness, and professionalism of Ms. White and her team throughout this process, said Commissioner Goodell. We pledge to share her findings publicly and are doing so today. And so they put up a link of their findings. I don't have that link because I don't know where this release is. It, Ian Rappaport just tweeted this out. He he took a screenshot of the actual press release. He didn't actually link the press release. He, he's retweeting or he's not even retweeting. He tweeted out this this image of a press release. Regardless, Mrs. Miss, this is also a part of it. Mr. Snyder will pay $60 million to the league in resolution of Miss White's findings in all outstanding matters. The, the final quote is the conduct substantiated in Miss White's findings has no place in the NFL, said Commissioner Goodell. We strive for workplaces that are safe, respectful, and professional. What Miss Johnston experienced is inappropriate and con contrary to the NFL's values. And then the conclusion that was made at the end was, let me pull it up really, really fast here. Give me like two seconds. Also, let me take a swig of my water really fast. Hold on. Here we go. Sorry about that. The conclusion, and this is essentially the end of the findings, right? The end of the document. The conclusion was and is, after extensive investigation, we have sustained both Tiffany Johnston's allegation of sexual harassment by Mr. Snyder and Jason Friedman's allegation of deliberate underreporting of NFL revenues by the club to avoid its VTS sharing obligations. I have no idea what VTS means. By the way, I, I, I just don't know. We found that the evidence was insufficient to demonstrate Mr. Snyder's involvement in the calendar photo incident or in the security deposit issues. I don't know about the security deposit issues. Apparently, if you if you want a refreshment, the calendar photo incident was essentially when a bunch of cheerleaders, and it's just like, well, which incident, which part of that incident is also kind of a question. Because the calendar photo, quote unquote, incident was a bunch of the commander's cheerleaders went down to the Caribbean. I forgot which island. We'll just say the Bahamas. Well, you know, it, it may or may not have been the Bahamas. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. But they go down to essentially 
a place that's similar to the Baha to the Bahamas for this calendar photo shoot. Their passports are just taken from them. And apparently that's team policy, so that way they can't lose their passports, which it's just like, well, they're adults. They, they're responsible for themselves, but it's just like, do you lose a driver's license? But whatever. So the team takes their driver's licenses kind of like in this weird, creepy way, I guess. Maybe not in this in a weird, creepy way, but in a fashion, right? Like, it's just like, why are you taking their only way off of the island that they're on? Right? They need their passport to leave. Why would you take their passport if they, you know, and like, why would you take their passport? It's very weird. And again, they explain it as it's company policy. And it's just like, yeah, sure. It's like all businesses have this company policy of taking their employees' passports when they go to a foreign country. Yeah, that's normal. But, um, <clears throat> so, so that way they wouldn't lose it, by the way. But regardless. So they get to the Caribbean. They don't have their passports, so they can't leave. And there are multiple incidents, one of which... A bunch of the cheerleaders were essentially escorting some of the primary boosters for the commanders. And escorting kind of has an interesting definition to it because it's like it can it can have like a it's kind of like a double entendre, I guess. Because the cheerleaders that were escorting the boosters were supposedly some of the more loyal cheerleaders, some of the top-line cheerleaders, the cheerleaders that had status, I guess, within the organization and that were loyal to the organization, or at least, I guess, loyal to the head cheerleading coach, which she was loyal to the organization at the time, allegedly. By the way, I have to say all, all that, so that way I don't get sued. But... The cheerleaders in question that were escorting the men allegedly were some of the top line cheerleaders for the organization. And I use the word escorting because it could potentially mean two different things. The first thing is, is that it means what the cheerleaders and what everybody has said. And that is that the girls were there to essentially be arm candy for them. They were there to... Uh, essentially look pretty and to be attached to these men to be like hey look at these guys they're hanging out with all these hot women that's one definition of the word escorting the local police thought that they were actual escorts uh meaning that they thought that they were prostitutes that the boosters had brought along i have no idea what would give them that idea at all i just i don't know why uh, apparently, they had rented out a nightclub by themselves, for themselves, in this, you know, in, in a, essentially an island, once again, that's similar to the Bahamas. And so they rent out this this nightclub on this island, and they exit the nightclub with these hot girls, and the local police are like, oh, those are, those are prostitutes. We're just, we're going to make sure that everything is going on uh, is above board. And so that's... A little bit of the whole calendar photo shoot. Again, these women are there to work for a calendar photo shoot. They are there to take sexy pictures on beaches in the Bahamas, right? That is their job by day. But at night, it's escorting these men to a nightclub. The 
top loyal cheerleaders, allegedly. I've, again, I have to say that for litigious reasons. And so the actual calendar photo incident was when the cheerleaders, I'm not a model, and I don't know that much about modeling, but I do know very, very little. And the little that I know is that for these photo shoots, the models, they have to get undressed and they have to change. Usually they get undressed and they change, you know, in front of the photographers. And so they get naked. Uh, so that way they can try on these new pieces of clothing or so that way they can take these different poses, et cetera, et cetera. There's many, of, many different reasons why a model would change clothes. It's very, very normal to just be naked around a photographer, right? And a photographer is supposed to be a professional. They're not supposed to like you know, just take weird photos and pictures of you while you're naked. They're, you know, they're supposed to just photograph you when you're in the clothes and things of that nature. But things can happen all the time, and that's semi-normal, I guess, with the model's consent. But also, at times, it can be weird and creepy and voyeuristic. So, something very voyeuristic happens here where one of the slimy, dirty, disgusting photographers doesn't just take pictures of the girls, of the cheerleaders when they're naked while they're changing clothes. He's like recording them like a weirdo fucking creep. This photographer should have been fired as well, by the way. Like a fucking weirdo creep. He's recording them as they are getting changed. And so this video of them while they're change while they're changing goes around the executives the high ranking executives for the commanders and reportedly and allegedly some of the high executives of the commanders ask the media team for the commanders to edit out the parts where they're closed and only keep the parts that they are naked into this video. And apparently that video of them being nude and changing and things of that nature, apparently that video got passed around the top of the line, the top tier executives, allegedly, again. And so that's what the photo, the calendar photo incident, that's the reference. And again, it's just like, there's a lot of references to it. There's a lot of things to it. A lot of different things. By the way, Oppenheimer, Barbie just came out. Super excited for Oppenheimer. Gonna see it in like an hour and a half. I gotta get some sleep, I'm exhausted. Apparently, Cillian Murphy was at a Tampa Bay Rays game and somebody else was at an Oilers game. I don't know. Anyways, back to what I was talking about. With, goodness gracious, I spent so much time talking about the photo incident. Da, 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 da. And the, I was reading the conclusion. In the course of the investigation, we also identified, oh, Wait, is that Cillian Murphy? Who is that? They're showing the Tampa Bay Rays game. I thought that was Cillian Murphy. I was, I was like, why is Cillian Murphy jogging out onto the field like he's about to pitch? And I was like, that's not Cillian Murphy at all. 
And so, sorry about that. In the course of the investigation, we also identified a variety of transactions and accounting entries left unexplained by the club, which raised a number of issues as to whether a significant portion of the revenues recorded were NFL-related revenues improperly shielded from VTS sharing. Which I guess kind of means is that the NFL kind of doesn't know what happens. So, because apparently the team, I'm on ESPN right now, and ESPN is like, the team didn't fully cooperate with the league's investigation, so we don't know how much money they have or don't have. Regardless, this opens up the commanders potentially and also Dan Snyder to litigation going forward from here. Meaning that Tiffany Johnston can sue the commanders and get some money because the NFL, I mean, they've conducted their own investigation and they're like, yeah, they've done some shady ass shit. We're fining the owner $60 million because of that, which I've never seen the NFL fine any owner any amount of money for doing anything. They're like, yeah, we're so the fact that they're like fining him $60 million on his way out as a nice little FU is a little bit telling. Oh, Rona Reza. A Rosa Reina. Bang. Strikeout. 101. Absolute heater. Got a Rona Reza out of there. Holy shit. Oh my God. Sorry, I'm watching Sports Center highlights right now. The closer for the Oilers just fucking sent a heater out of Rosa Reina. Jesus Christ. He's safe. He's safe. Anyways, got a double right there. Boom. Easy money. Going back to what I was talking about, about opening up themselves to litigation. Again, because the NFL's findings, because of the NFL's conclusion, they can potentially open themselves. They can and have potentially opened themselves up to litigation. The NFL has as well, to be honest with you. They could just pass it on as like, up, oh, up. Oh. They could finger point and be like, up, oh, it was Dan. It was Dan. We didn't know about it. We didn't know about it until 2022. It was Dan. 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 Will they do that? Yes, of course they will. But this is a great day for all of the alleged victims. I have to say alleged because, again, litigious reasons. But um, this is a great day for the alleged victims. This is a great day for them because they can finally get something back from Dan Snyder, potentially, even if it's just money. And most, more importantly and most importantly, they have kind of been proven that the abuse that they suffered by the hands of the commanders was real. And in fact, it was uh, not just some of the head executives it was also dan snyder as well and also i mean fuck it well i mean you can go after potentially some of the head executives as well so the reality of the situation is is that once again the commanders i mean josh harris is the owner but i i just i don't know how much or how apparently josh harris knows meek mill he's sitting courtside with meek millie hold on let me Josh Harris is giving some interview somewhere. Let me like listen in. Hold on.
Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Long interview. It's still going on. So essentially, kind of the uh, the Cliff's notes that he gave me just now on this ESPN Sports Center interview was he's going to improve the football team first and then improve the fan experience second, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, like. I'm guessing improving the fa- like there's no fucking way he can build a new stadium. New stadiums cost like over a couple billion over 2 3 billion dollars. He doesn't have that much money. I mean, he may not. I don't even I don't even know how much money he actually has. That's the damning thing. It's just like I don't I just don't know. I don't know. Sh- by the way, shout out to the women uh by the to the women on the US uh on the US team. Jesus Christ, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, my two girls, my lovely ladies. So excited to watch them play tonight. They're going to fucking crush it. They're going to kill it like they always fucking do. Rapino! Sorry. Super excited to see the woman. Absolutely not. I, I'm not excited to go see the woman play tonight. I'm not excited to see them play at all tonight. I'm excited to see them dominate tonight. I'm very excited. Oh, my God. Rapino, Morgan, Ertz, all the girls, super juiced up, super jazzed up. They got some new players. They got some new blood as well as they should because, I mean, it's like, goodness gracious, all these girls can't fucking play at the exact same time, you know, forever. Jesus Christ. At some point, it's like some of these girls have got to retire. Pass on the torch. I'm excited to see some of the new blood. I'm excited to see women's soccer again. Goodness gracious. It's like watching for an hour and a half just a Burmese python choke the shit out of a rhino. Oh, God. Really something smaller. It's like, it's just like, it, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, no, I'll, I'll stick with the analogy. Why not? I'll stick with it. I'll figure it out. All right. Anyways, great day. Great day for all of the, uh, the alleged victims for the commanders. Or from the commander's organization, and specifically from Dan Snyder. I hope that they get the retribution, and I don't want to say the justice, because justice is subjective. But I hope that they get what they need uh, to move on with their lives very, very soon. Anyways. Final thing I got for you today. 
Let's talk about the Bills here for a couple of minutes. And then I'll peace out. Gosh. So the Bills are in this weird kind of no man's land. A lot of people are juiced up about the Bills or were juiced up about the Bills. I, I kind of was last year, especially with the acquisition of Vaughn Miller. I was like, ooh, that's a great acquisition. Vaughn's going to be a great player for them. And he was, and he is, and he's their best defensive player. But the Bills have kind of... I mean, honestly, they've kind of, I don't want to say fallen short this year or fallen behind. I mean, they've kind of always been behind, in all honesty. They've just, like last year, they were behind the Bengals. They lost to the Bengals. They were really behind the Dolphins. I mean, let me look up the series against the Dolphins. Tua gets concussed. Just so we're clear on this. Against the Dolphins last year, Tua gets concussed in the game. It's the game in which Tua slams his head in the back of the turf and Tua gets like checked at halftime and then they say that it's something wrong with his spine and not his head. I believe them because I'm very, very gullible. And Tua, Tua goes in, and he just plays like garbage for the next uh, for the second half because he's concussed. But before that, he was playing great. He's playing great. He's really leading the pack. He was dominating, playing a really really awesome football game. He goes on, has kind of a late fourth quarter drive. Wins the game. Chase Hedman's three-yard touchdown. It's a great day for the Dolphins, right? It's also the game in which the Bills offensive coordinator just loses his mind. and <laughs> Oh, my God. I've never seen that camera angle ever. And the fact that the first time I see it is the Bills offensive coordinator just, <laughs> just smashing his playbook is infinitely hilarious to me. But the Bills, they go on, and they lose to Miami at Miami, right? With, again, concussed to attack of Iloa. But then, December 17th, the Dolphins versus the Bills, again, Dolphins, the Dolphins, really, are playing... A pretty, like, decent game. Tua was 17 of 30, 234 yards, two touchdowns, two sacks. Really played a phenomenal game. Josh Allen was on an absolute fucking hater. 25 of 40, 304 yards, four touchdowns, two sacks as well. But, I mean, he was just more productive that day. 11 points in the fourth quarter. The Miami Dolphins just couldn't close. They had... 20, it was 26 to 21 at that point, you know, before the, uh, the fourth quarter, 26, 21, right? Yep. Yep. Scored 11 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, all it to the purposes. Oh, God. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Miami 
Miami looked to be in full control over the game going into the fourth quarter, and they just were not. Scored 13 points in the third. Looked like they were about to take on the Bills and about to beat the Bills in Buffalo, and they just they couldn't close it out. Josh Allen went on a hater. Destroyed the Dolphins. Goes on to win the game. It happens. It happens. Why am I talking about... I mean, the Dolphins. It's, it's just the Dolphins. Why am I talking about the Dolphins? Well, I previewed this and I said, look, I feel like the Bills not only are behind now, but they were behind last year. And when you look at the Bills' record against the Dolphins, they were behind the Dolphins last year. If Tua had played in that playoff game, because Josh Allen had played so terribly in that playoff game against the Dolphins last year, if two had played instead of a backup they w- in Skylar Thompson, they would have won. The Dolphins added on Jalen Ramsey to a loaded roster, and they're looking to potentially add Dalvin Cook as well to an already loaded roster. The Dolphins may actually be the team in the AFC East that everybody should be concerned about. The team that will win that division. And I don't think people are talking about them. I think that everybody's like, well, the Bills have just got it again. The interesting thing about the Bills and really the AFC East is that it kind of looked as if for a little while the Bills were just going to control that division and that the Dolphins were going to be irrelevant, the Jets were going to be irrelevant, and things of that nature. And now it's just like, well, wait a second. Not only is that not true, that all these teams aren't irrelevant, anymore or are irrelevant in regards to the bills in comparison to the bills but it looks like the dolphins have kind of risen as the lead dog in the pack how many games did the dolphins win last year dolphins won they won nine games last year probably should have won 11 if we're in all if we're being honest i mean if we are, there's some bad losses by the Dolphins, some like flops. But I mean, they also went on a five game losing streak as well against San Fran, the Chargers, the Bills, the Packers, the Patriots. Some of those games, you're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. But, I don't know. By the way, Messi is making his Inter-Miami debut tonight, which I don't know if I'll be able to watch, but we'll see what happens. Stefan digs for the Bills. Some people just think that he's disruptive for disruptive reasons. I think Stephon, I like Stefan Diggs a lot. I like him a lot. He's made everybody around him significantly better. He's made his team, the team being the Buffalo Bills and also the Minnesota Vikings. He made made both of those teams significantly better. And he was right. He was like, look, uh, hey, guys, Miami, you know how you guys are like running the shit out of the football? Maybe you guys should throw it significantly more because I don't know. uh, The league is going to a passing oriented football team. Maybe. Maybe. You should throw the football a little bit more. 
I don't know. Hey, <laughs> what do I know? I'm one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But Stephon Diggs was right. Stephon Diggs was right. They should have ran it or threw it more in Minnesota. They are throwing it more in Minnesota. And he's right in the sense of that Minnesota probably should have given him or should have gotten DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, as much as the Patriots have been kind of like lampooned for missing out on DeAndre Hopkins, it's kind of the same thing with the Dolphins. It's like, not the Dolphins, excuse me, with the Bills. It's like, bro, Stephon Diggs apparently took less money or moved some of his money around. So that way you guys, you guys being the the Buffalo Bills could go out and get um it could go out and get fuck's sake, I'm tired. Sorry. Could go out and get DeAndre Hopkins, but instead of getting DeAndre Hopkins, you just did nothing. And so I wonder, I wonder what their plan is, what the Bills' plan is. Because Stephon Diggs is obviously unhappy. But even more so than that, and a, even a bigger problem is, is like, sure, it's like Stephon Diggs isn't happy, but he's got a fucking point. It's like, bro, uh, you guys don't really have a whole lot much else outside of him offensively. And you kind of need something else because he gets stopped or not stopped, but if he gets stopped, you're done. You don't have a running game. Your offensive line is kind of, is kind of like average to good at times. It's bad when it comes to run blocking and your defense is essentially predicated off of Von Miller. You don't really have any pass rush outside of Von. Your corners, your secondary is a little bit suspect because you don't have really any corners. Like, it's weird how ineffective the Bills are at everything. Like, they're not really that good at drafting. They're not really good at getting free agents. I mean, how much money do they have against the cap? And, like, who is their biggest cap hits as well? That's, like, another interesting question. Yeah, Tredavious White is, like, one of their biggest cap hits. Deion Dawkins, who is he an interior defensive lineman? No, oh, he's their left tackle. Their left tackle? Micah Hyde is another guy that I'm just like. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are like. I, I don't understand how they're making that much money at that point. But they're supposed to be like the best safety duo in the NFL. And I'm like. I can think of, I don't know, like four or five secondaries with better safeties than Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer at this point. And these are pro bowlers too, man. Mm, mm, mm. Bills are in trouble this year. Anyways, I'm going to take a nap. I want to watch The Office here. I will see you very, very soon, ladies and gentlemen. 24's podcast.